Hi folks, Bob Main here with another episode of today's survival show. A practical prepping show done by a practical guy. That's me. It's my goal to help you do what you can with what you have wherever you are. Well, a couple weeks ago, Mexican Joe from the forum has been helping me out a lot lately. He did several interviews and there's a couple more coming up in future podcasts. Recently, I had a chance to do another interview, kind of a part two, with Tabitha out in Oregon. Uh, If you remember, she's the one I said, or I titled, she's the self-proclaimed Macy's girl turned prepper. (laughs) So, And I love that. So she said that in the podcast. That's what I decided to title the show. I got her and her husband back together on Skype to do an interview with me, and it turned out pretty good. We talked about prepping for natural disasters. Now... When it comes to prepping for natural disasters, people email me a lot or even get semi-Facebook messages and things like that. And a lot of times they, they want to know where to start, where to start prepping. And my standard response is you need to know what the threats are in your area. Every area has different threats. Right now here in South Texas in San Antonio, the Alamo City, where I'm from, or actually where I live. It's not where I'm from, but it's where I live. we got a drought going on again. Gosh, it just seems like we can't break this drought. So we have to prep during drought conditions. We have to learn to save and conserve water and so forth. Neighbor, neighbor of mine has got a really cool uh, water collection system that I'm going to start I'm gonna start copying her. Uh, I've been collecting some water, but not as good as what she's doing. So she's changing it up. And once I once I figure out exactly what she's doing and how she's doing it, it's kind of a creative way I might do a podcast on it. But you have to figure out where the threat is in your area or what it is. What What's likely to impact your area and focus on that? Well, Tabitha and her husband live up in Oregon. And so you're going to hear them talk a lot about what they have to prep for up there. But you're going to get a lot out of this. Uh, it doesn't matter whether you live in the Pacific Northwest uh, part of the United States. I asked them to talk in more generalities about how to prep and where to start and how to you know start prepping for natural disasters and things like that. So that's going to be the primary focus. But for you new preppers, and there's a lot of them, I know, because you email me and you tell me that you're new, I think you're going to get a lot out of this. I think you're going to enjoy this interview. It's terrific. I, you know, it's I, I really enjoy doing this. And you know, folks, I've said this many times. One of the reasons why I do this podcast is so that I can learn this stuff too. You know, when I get a chance to get together people that have a lot of knowledge or a certain expertise or they've been doing something for a while... Well, there's no better way to learn it than to say, hey, w- w- would you mind interviewing with me? And I can I can pepper them with questions. And then I get to listen to their answers and take all kinds of notes. So, here you go. Here's the, here is the interview with, with Tabitha in Oregon. And, and also her husband joined. And he wanted to keep his name private. So, for privacy reasons, we just called him The Dude. Stay tuned. Well, two special guests on this episode, back for a second time, Tapitha. Welcome back. Thank you. 
Appreciate you. Uh, you know, a Macy's girl turned prepper. I hope you liked that title from a couple weeks ago. <laughs> oh, sure. Hey, yeah. <laughs> it was fantastic. I got to tell you, I was listening to it. Um, I was listening to the copy of it before that I always listen to before I post it on the show. And I was just loving it. I was on a long drive, three hours, and made it go by fantastic. So let me go ahead and thank you for doing that. I appreciate it. Oh, no, thank you for having me on. And I want to thank Joe because I know he's listening for, for calling you up and doing that. And we got your husband on the line. Yes, we do. Hello. How's it going? Hey, for privacy reasons, I'm going to call you the dude if that's okay. That works, I guess. All right, so I got Tabitha and the dude. So those of you who are listening, I know it sounds strange, but when I say Tabitha and the dude, you know who I'm talking about. Yeah, he's not just any dude. He is the dude. Well, that's why that's why I put the word the the dude there. That was pretty good. So that's pretty distinguishing there. Pretty distinguishing. Well, we're going to talk about natural disasters, and you know, before we started recording, Tabitha, you asked me if I had been in a natural disaster. I haven't been in an earthquake, but actually, I was I was much closer to a tornado once than I ever care to be ever again. It was when I was a young kid. Oh. And that was not much fun. That was not much fun. We were living in northern Illinois at the time when I was a young kid because my parents had a, my dad had a job there. And we were within about a quarter of a mile of a pretty sizable tornado that came through there. And it, it did quite a bit of damage. We, we only lost power a couple of days. It wasn't all that bad. But, you know, a lot of people have been through a lot worse. You only lost power for a couple of days. Up here during the winter, we're, we lose power for five days. That's just like a breeze. Yeah. Uh, when uh, the power company remembers that you're on the grid. Yeah. <laughs> so for you, it's a minor inconvenience, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, okay, so let's talk about now, um, uh, Tabitha, you were in the Santa Cruz earthquake, weren't you? Yes. In 89, is that when it was? October 5th of 89. Oh, you, you remember the date like it was probably yesterday. Yeah, it was at five fifteen, five oh four, something like well, that. Women are good for dates and times. I mean, talk about babies, and they remember that stuff all the time. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Our uh, oldest was three months old. Would you like that one too? <laughs> <laughs> well, you could probably. Uh, we don't have to go there. <laughs> Well, a couple weeks ago, I heard you talking, you know, about your homestead and everything, which is really cool. But you were in that earthquake back in 89. So, so talk a little bit about that and what, what got you through it. And, and uh, where, was, where was the dude at that point? You said you were up in the mountains, weren't you? Yeah, I was living up in, uh, by Reno, Nevada at that point. We hadn't officially met yet. You weren't affected up there in Reno, were you? Oh, no. Oh, no. But I I lived um, in uh, Campbell, California, and it was seven miles away from where the epicenter was. And literally, I'm I'm seeing sky through my roof. And I that was the last time I had no food in the house. After that point, no matter how poor I was, um, it was I always had food in the house for except for probably a period of um, maybe a year when I w- couldn't afford it. And then I learned a coupon shop so that I could afford the food. And no matter what, I had at least something to eat after that. That was a learning lesson, wasn't it? It was, because I walked in, I picked up the phone, I was going to call my, my girlfriend and tell her, you know, come over a couple hours later because I'm going to run to the store, have my, my three-month-old in my hand. I look up, I'm feeling, I hear kind of like a semi coming, and I look back and I look over, and then I look forward out the window at a 15-story high-rise, and all the glass is just falling from it. 
and you know it's just after five o'clock. People are in that parking lot, and I ju- I drop the phone. You run to the center of the door, the door frame, because everybody tra- trains you through school to stand in the door frame. It's the strongest structure of the house. And the earthquake threw me through the door frame, across the hall, into the bathroom, on the counter, and on the floor. Ouch! It, I had bruises all upside one of my one of my one one side of my body, and I still was holding my three month old. Wow! So yeah, so um, a couple hours later, we still had no electricity. Everybody came, and they were shutting the gas off everywhere. If you wanted to make a phone call, you had to sit on the phone line um, nobody wanted to be in their house and there was one person we were in a I was in a condo complex and there was one person that had a long phone cord and they had it out the window and down on top of their car so they were letting everybody go and use the um, use the phone yeah and in, in order to get a dial tone you had to just hold the phone to your ear and wait yeah and, and when you were next you'd get that dial tone Hey, okay, so that was it. So you had to wait. You had to wait your turn. I had to wait my turn. It was about 20 minutes for me to get a dial tone. And then after that, I went, um, I called my, I was called my mother, who was in the Central Valley. And I, I said, can, can I come out? Because I had no food. I had nothing. And I got in the car, and I was the last car that went over Pacheco Pass before they closed it for PG&E traffic to go one way. Into the struck into the earthquake zone. So before we go any further here, there's two important lessons I've just identified. Number one, having food, and number mm-hmm. two, having a method of communication. Mm-hmm. Yes, very big. Yeah, and you know, I mean, it was the last time you said it was the last time you uh, went without food in your house, and that was so. That was your wake up call. I guess that was whether you knew it or not. That was your start to becoming a prepper. Yeah, probably. You know, and that seems to be. Don't you kind of see a theme there? A lot of people seem to wait until something happens before they actually start to prep. Oh, always. Yeah, usually when people change or do something new in their lives, it's because they're so inspired to do it or they're pained enough to make a change. So. Well, you know, you brought up pain and change, and that was what was interesting, and I want to, I want to key in on that for a minute because, you know, a lot of people, if they've been listening to my show long enough, they, they know that one of my former careers, I used to sell home security and home alarm systems. Um, I was in that business for a long time. And the funny thing is, is, you know, people would always wait until after they got broken into to call me. And, you know, they would never do it beforehand. But, you know, after they were violated and broken into, and then they call me and then they want it installed like right away. Yeah. You know, and it yeah. seems to be a, a typical theme in prepping, too. They wait until something happens. Um, and uh, so in Tabitha's case, you always had food. I bet you started finding creative ways to have communication available too, didn't you? Um, well, that was just when the cell phones were, were coming out shortly after that, and I, I, I had one of the first car phones. And um, we had a plan set up before my mother um, and and my, my immediate family that when we were out, if an emergency happened, I mean, actually, we'd had that plan since I was a kid that there was one phone number outside. It was um, one of my aunts, and we would call, my, everybody would call that aunt if something happened in the areas that we lived, like, you know, in the Bay Area or whatever. We would call, everybody would call the aunt that was outside of the Bay Area, and that would be our check-in. So we always had that. Um, but but the earthquake one, I mean, I was poor. So there's very there was very little that I thought I could do, but when I started getting into the whole couponing bit and, 
and going to the stores and just buying the things that were on sale and stocking up on stuff like that. I'm still using Saran Wrap I bought for 18 cents with coupons back in the 90s. <laughs> you got to be kidding me. Oh, my goodness. That's <laughs> it doesn't go bad. <laughs> well, well, that's true. Saran Wrap doesn't go bad. Yeah. yeah. And if you really think about it, if you make the phone calls, like I called one of the mayonnaise companies and I asked them, you know, the expiration on your product says December 13th of, of, of you know, 2013. And they'll tell you that's a um, suggested date. That's when mayonnaise, their mayonnaise didn't really go bad um, until it needed to be used after it had been open for germ-wise. But that uh, mayonnaise, their mayonnaise would be good for indefinitely as long as it didn't, you know, when you opened it, you used it. Um, it just got a lemony taste to it. So that best buy, best buy date is for the flavor. Yeah, I've noticed that too. Most of those dates are suggested dates, and they're not real hard drop-dead dates. Mm-hmm. So all of our food that expires goes in a separate section of our pantry, and um, if if you know we ever need it, we we've got it there. It's just expired. Well, the key the key there is rotation. I rotate mine all the time. Yeah, sometimes we just don't eat things fast enough. <laughs> <laughs> so up there in Oregon, then, what are you prepping for up there in terms of natural disasters? Well, natural disasters up in Oregon in our area, uh, one of the big ones that they uh, talk a lot about is tsunamis. Um, and they've had a lot of uh, classes and stuff for the general public. About once a year they get together and have classes about what they should do to prepare evacuation routes. Uh, they used to have a siren system that would alert people to uh, the tsunamis, um, but now they've got a uh, reverse 911 thing because uh, the sirens, I guess, were so old that they were taking them out. Okay. Uh, they couldn't uh, get them repaired and, and keep them up uh, for what they were worth, I guess. And we also have the earthquakes. Right. And I think for... I think for us, you have a list there. Yeah, we also have forest fire issues and uh, power outages, which is not really a significant uh, uh, disaster up here, but it can be pretty inconvenient sometimes. Uh, a lot of the neighbors will go to a, a more inland and go to a hotel to spend a week the when casino. that sort of happens. A, a casino. <laughs> yeah. Wait, you know, if you've got to go to a casino because you don't have power for two, three days, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I don't think that's a real good form of prepping. No. <laughs> but, um, but the other thing we have is we get really horrid storms. I mean, yeah. 60, 125 mile an hour winds. Um, enough to pull off your roof. My our parents just lost a section of their roof to a windstorm, and uh, trees falling. I guess in 2007, did they had all the roads were blocked. Yeah, nobody was able to get in or out of the area for a couple of days. So I mean, what you got is what you got. Couldn't get to the casino then. <laughs> and that's probably a good thing anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and the thing is, you know, we're joking a lot, but the thing that people have to realize is that, you know, you got to know what's what's prevalent in your area, and you got to prep for that. And every area of the country seems to be a little bit different. You know, we haven't had a whole lot of natural disasters here in South Texas except for drought, and so a lot of people are finding very creative ways to conserve and store water. Well, I'd say that uh, drought's not really one of our bigger issues here. But, no. Uh, since, uh, on average, we're getting between 60 and 100 inches of rain a year. But uh, I would say that we do, uh, my wife has a, 
erected an elaborate water storage system. Yeah. Um, I like to flush the toilet. What can I say? <laughs> Even though you're getting 60 inches of rain, you still want to make sure they're flushable. Yeah, and I want to make sure we have something to drink, too. <laughs> well, see, yeah. and, and uh, if you could just figure out how to send even 10 or 15 inches, we'll take it down here in South Texas. <laughs> you, know. you know, I wouldn't be opposed to a pipeline for the water, you know, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah, forget the energy pipeline. Let's get a water pipeline going. Yeah. No, we have the, it's, we have 400 gallons right now um, that's, that's there, and then I've just been saving the rain, the 55-gallon drum barrels that the... Uh, Farmers have their teat dip in. It's an iodine solution, a mm-hmm. soap iodine, which is used to purify water anyways. So um, we we hook those up. And, you know, everybody hooks them up with uh, PVC piping. But because we have such high winds, even if the barrel was, like, partially empty, it could knock that over. So, um, so I actually uh, hooked them together with... Um, Rubber hoses. Yeah, rubber hoses, water hoses. And I took the, I cut the water hoses up and put the uh, female ends and then put the male ends inside the barrel. And you just drill a hole and screw them in. Put a little caulking around it and you've got a, you've got a great um, water collection system. Put a spigot on one end. Awesome. Yeah, there's all kinds of creative ways. You know, I've got, uh, I've learned some things from a neighbor. She's also doing something a little bit different than you, but she's got a pretty creative way of storing water. So if and when it ever rains again here, uh, <laughs> I might be able to tap into that. So I got a question that I wanted to ask you because I actually, I have a goal of keeping this down to about 30 minutes or so for, for this episode because I have some other things planned for it too. But if, um, if, if, if there's somebody that was brand new to prepping, somebody that's just you know getting started, and for a lot of people it can be overwhelming, it was when I started. If they came to your household, sat down with the two of you, and said, hey, we want to start prepping for some, some natural disasters, what would you tell them? What, where would you tell them to start? Uh, my basic uh, first step would be to get uh, a bug out or a get home bag, whichever you want to call it, uh, put together. It's going to have uh, food and supplies for them to... Uh, survive anywhere for three days, you know, and you want to you want to have some food and uh, some fire uh, starting equipment in there, some clothing changes, basic comforts, um, and some other things in there that uh, just get you through until you can get to some place where you can start to reorganize your life. I keep some extra tools in my get home bag. I keep some extra. Um, uh, Light, light, lighting equipment and ways to ways to start fires, and I keep extra flashlights, uh, ammunition, all kinds of stuff in there. Yes, you know. And plus, women, I go ahead. Women need, women need to keep a pair of shoes too. Women need to have a pair of shoes, absolutely, mm-hmm. and not high heels. Oh man! <laughs> no, no, you, you don't. Well, those those are a little bit tough to run in, aren't they? Yep, tough not, to hike in. Not when you have practice. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow I knew you were going to throw that in there. So I'm just curious, uh, what color do you keep in there? My shoes? Yeah. Nah, they're, they're just the rugged tan ones, you know. He, he buys me the... I take care of the bags. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because it's funny, you know, when you say women need to keep shoes in there, well, then it begs the question, what color? <laughs> they're just tan boring. <laughs> if they want to think that far ahead, they should pack the whole outfit. Oh, yeah, there you go. That way the shoes they pack in there won't be an issue. 
Uh, you know, and, and with my wife, it'd probably be a little purse to go with them. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, see, even though we're kind of joking, uh, let's let's make that a, a serious thing. Yeah, you know, you mentioned an extra change of clothes. Absolutely, absolutely. Because a lot of times you'll get wet or something, and and you can go to hypothermia real fast if you're wet. And don't forget, women that are listening, don't forget feminine hygiene products. Because if 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 it comes to that, you need to make sure you have that in your stock of supplies. I was going to bring that up. I'm glad you did. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, you need to look up online because those tampon containers, if you get the right kind, the purple tube kind, which are Tampax regulars. <laughs> okay, we're getting specific here. <laughs> no, they're not Tampax, they're Kotex regulars. Um, in a white box, but if you get the if that kind, you need to look online and there's a ton of uses for that little plastic tube. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm laughing because I can see the UPS man showing up at my door. <laughs> and and I forget what was ordered, and I open it up, and it's that. And I'm going, okay. <laughs> well, you can even use it to start a fire. Really? Yeah. Light the little tail, boom. You got a fire. <laughs> well, they should yeah. Yeah. I was thinking more practical uses, like uh, you know, if you get cut or something, you get good blood absorber. But exactly that too. <laughs> well, and also that you can—it's the little trachea thing. If you needed it, couldn't you use that? It's too big. It's too, too big, big for a tracheotomy. No, it's too big for that. No, no, <laughs> and it'd be too small for a tourniquet. That's not going to work either. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Uh, all right, so the get home bag. I keep first aid supplies. By the way, I have a tourniquet. That's very important. You know, a lot of people forget that. You got to keep some basic first aid, but you need some stuff like tourniquets as well. Um, you know, you can apply them to yourself. You can apply them to other people. You need to take some lessons and learn how to use them too. Right, and uh, in in them in my uh, first aid section, I also make sure I have some quick clot type uh, bandages. Um, we had some practical experience uh, in, in training at where I work and. Uh, they do work rather rapidly. Yeah, they do. Super glue does too. Yes, it does. Super have... super glue is not ideal, but it but it can work. Yep, I have some of that too. Hey, I use super glue. Yeah. Yeah, on cuts, it yep. works fabulous. It does. It, it does. Some people don't recommend it. I'm not really sure why, but uh, I've I've actually seen it used on cuts, and it's great. Yeah. I've heard of uh, situations uh, in the military where they actually have. Uh, emergency injection superglue uh, for a little deeper wounds, but I don't know about that. I, that's just something I've heard about. So you did? I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I, I mean, I wouldn't recommend it. Recommend it, but I, you know, I'm out there working, and sometimes I get cut, and if I can't stop it with just a, you know, little band aid, then I, I'll, I'll go to that as that, a last resort. That's your last resort backup plan. Yeah, I'm not calling 911. <laughs> uh, out there where you guys are, well, actually, in, in most places in the U.S., I mean, just that, that's almost a, a, a wasted call. It's for historians to show up and find out what happened. Yeah. Pretty much. I mean, um, our, our uh, 911 system, we can have a significant delay where, I mean, it can be life-threatening or life-altering because you've got to at least, at least, five, ten minutes before somebody shows up. And that's only if there's no other emergency calls out there. If you get another emergency call, you're looking at a 30-minute drive from the time they leave where they're at. Yeah, what good is that, really? And, you know, dispatchers don't call 911. <laughs> that's right. Oh, that, that good point, Tabitha, good point. Yeah. So you'd advise them, if someone sits down and says, where do I start? You have them start with the get-home bag, which is good. That, that's some good advice. What else would you tell them? Well, um... You got to look at what your daily life needs are. I mean, 
you need you need shelter, you need food, you need uh, water, uh, you need uh, uh, some way to stay warm. Um, I would say probably uh, communications would be a big issue, but these are all things that the individual is going to have to assess on their own and figure out what they need for their lives and how it fits in, um, and what they can live with. I mean, some people can go out and live in a plastic bag, in a, in a sleeping bag, and they're fine. Other people need the uh, Ritz-Carlton here uh, in order to go camping. Hey, <laughs> I resemble that remark. Yeah, I was going to say, you're not actually referring to someone in particular, are you? No, no, no. No, you should have seen the look I just got. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I was there to see that. Um, Tabitha, think back to that earthquake again. All right, so you freaked out. You, then you went and you got some food, and you made sure that that was the last time that you were going to be without food. Uh, what else did you do? Well, Bob, I don't think I really freaked out. i got to correct you on that one. Okay, um, correct me on that one. Yeah, I, I, I just, you, you realized, oh, crap, this is going on, and then you just handled it. And... Um, now, what was your question? What else? What? So, well, well, okay, so what else did you do? Uh, what, what, what? Talk about the first three or four things you did to respond to that. Well, I hung the phone up. I went to go stand in the doorway where everybody says to go. Which, by the way, for people in earthquake zones, the doorways are wrong. Under tables are wrong. You need to look through your house and find the spot, which is usually could be a closet. It is a, a corner that has at least two walls that come to a corner where there is no windows. I, I know where my, my spot is in this house. It's in the hallway in a, in a corner. But you, you want to be away from slamming doors that could slam, slam on you or could jam um, shut because your house is moving both all ways. Um, so you want to know where that space spot is. And, you know, I grew up in California my whole life, so we've all been trained in earthquakes. You know, when I was a kid, it was we headed for the China cabinet and you just held the doors shut on the China cabinet. <laughs> I know. And I actually went to a really big one and my mother came home. Did any China break? Oh, that was what she was worried about, right? <laughs> well, she's worried about us, but you know, we, we've never been through a big one that really damaged anything, you know, other than a few neighbors getting a cracked swimming pool. You never had anything really big until this one that I was in in 89. And that one was, it was eerie. The whole Day was was different. The World Series was going on. And That's the, what I was going to say. The only thing I really remember from that quake is the interruption of the World Series. I remember that too. It was bummer too. I think the A's were winning, weren't they? I believe they were. Yeah, or something like that. And uh, my wife attended the makeup game, the, the the one that they they repeated the game. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, she went to that one. She was actually in that area too, at uh, pro- uh, in, in approximately not not right in Santa Cruz, but in a, a fairly nearby during the same time. Yeah. Well, I, I and I guess so. You find their, your place in your house of where you're going to go, and you make sure you drop whatever you're doing and you get there. And um, I get, the next thing I did was we uh, probably shouldn't have. I rescued my cat. She got stuck behind the couch. And um, then I, I packed up my stuff. Well, I tried calling my mother, told her I was coming, because there was no food, no stores open or anything. Everything was pretty much closed down. Everybody was just busy trying to get home. And um, the utility workers were going around shutting off all the gas, and it was turning night. About It was three hours later after the quake, I got in the car and literally drove through the traffic and got on the freeway and went went to my mom's. Really? Yeah. 
Yeah. And then I looked around and bought the flattest farmland I could find and moved to the Central Valley. I was done. That was it. <laughs> that was it. You were, you were out of there. Right the on af- top of the San Joaquin Fault. Yeah. <laughs> well, the aftershocks were enormous. I, I, I had to move. Well, I was in the process of moving. Whatever I didn't have packed, I had lost, was broken. Um, and I was in the process of moving into a family home, and there was, what, 5,000 aftershocks just within mm-hmm. a, a little space of time. And it was just, un- you never knew which one was going to be big, because they all start off feeling small, and then they gain in intensity, and then they kind of pitter out. You know, you kind of stick your feet up, go for the ride. It's like, an, oh, this is a B-ticket ride, this is an E-ticket, and it's like, oh, crap, you know, run. So if it doesn't stop shaking... Then you, by the time you think, oh, are we having an earthquake? I think we're having an earthquake. <laughs> then you start, then you start running to your to your place. Yeah. All right. So, uh, and I, I'm glad you brought up don't go to the doors because you do hear a lot of that. People say uh, stand in, in doorways, and that that is wrong. It is. Yeah, wrong. the doors can slam you pretty hard. Yeah, I know. I know exactly the spot in our house where I would go tornado or earthquake. Either one. I mean, we got a perfect room for that. So people need to identify where that is, where there's no windows and, like you said, things that can fall on top of you easily. Yeah, mm-hmm. and don't go outside. Oh, my gosh. It probably wouldn't be a very good idea. No, you have the power lines that are falling and hitting people and the cars and, you know, and trees that are falling and, yeah, and tiles off of roofs that are falling. Don't go outside. So, Especially if you live in a big city. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So back to where you are now. Obviously, since you have a lot of power outages, uh, give us some general ideas how you've prepped for that. Well, we've got, uh, obviously, a generator. That's the first thing everybody thinks is go out and get a generator. Um, but you also have to realize that your generators, unless you're buying a whole house deal, is not going to run everything. So you have to have uh, creative ways in order to, to figure out how to store food and stuff like that. Because uh, your freezer is only good for a little bit. Um, we cycle our freezer um, when we lose power. Uh, we'll run it for a little bit, and then uh, it'll keep cool for a while. When we when we cycle, when we run the generator to cycle the freezer and the refrigerator, we actually I take that opportunity to heat up water, and I ah Joe just became Joe just came online. So I heat up I heat up water and I have all of these um, thermoses that keep water hot and warm for a very long time, and I'll heat up the water and I'll fill all those jugs up. So I have enough hot water that I can have like a cup of soup or you know or I can make coffee or tea or something because usually when we lose power it's cold. Right. Yeah. And usually when we lose power it's in the wintertime, so the days are really short. So I mean, you got to have some form of light uh, whether candles or lanterns or if you're going to use your generator to power a light for a little while um but i mean we've got it gets dark here around four o'clock in the afternoon if not a little earlier um during the winter so and you can get coupons for candles you can you can get coupons in the sunday newspaper for dollar offs on candles and you can use those to stock up and those candles are actually perfect to light and when you get really cold you stick your you, you just wrap your fingers your hands around the candle to warm you up yes, you can. The, I'm sorry uh, that would be the other issue is heat you got to make sure you have some form of heat um, so a lot of nice warm clothes um, sometimes we run a little space here off our generator when we close off a lot of the house um, or our, our goal is to ultimately put in a, a wood stove because we've got lots of trees for 
firewood, but we haven't had the opportunity to put the wood stove in we yet. We built the house specially to, with the door, with a um, door in the hall, so that we could close it and just heat that one section of the house. Yep. Well, and you've also got, if you're down here where I live, it's uh, 92 degrees as we speak, and the peak temperature is supposed to be 103 today. So you got to think about cooling, too. Well, we used to live in that weather. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that in that weather, you really have to be concerned about your freezer and your refrigerator. You don't open it at all. Yeah. When, when you... So when you're cycling your fridge... Uh, how long do you cycle it for? How long do you power it up for before you power it down? He's looking at me because the last power, the power outages we've had, he's been off at work, <laughs> and I've been having to do it all myself. Yeah, make sure both people and you know everybody who might have that job knows what to do. Yeah. yeah, the women really have to be trained. I had to, I had to figure out how to do the generator, um, what three times? Yep. And then I had to make a little list, and I even had to text you what you know the red knob, turn the red knob, flip the gray switch, and yep, yep. it was a whole thing that I had to learn to do because women just aren't programmed to think that way. They're they're um, and it's not wrong. We're programmed to think half cup, three quarter cup, and and one egg, two eggs, and that kind of stuff. We're not programmed to think, at least I'm not, to to think these switches and knobs and pull and. Everything. So I would go up, and I think I did it for about. I ran it for about forty minutes to an hour. Yeah, Tabitha, you just brought up a great point. You know, not just the women have to be trained, but everybody in the family, kids too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's amazing. A lot of people don't realize what kids can do. Kids can do a lot of things, especially if they've been taught in advance and they've practiced it. Yeah. Oh yes. And men need to men need to turn around and learn. The women's, the typical woman's side of things too. Well, you're right. Give us some examples on that. Oh, well, my husband learned to can this last days off. Yep, did some uh, food canning. Nice. Yeah, and uh, he actually did great. Yeah, we canned up. Um, we pickled. You pickled jalapenos, jalapenos and carrots, carrots that we grew and from onions. The oh, jalapenos, man! I love those. Oh yeah. Apparently, oh. we can't grow them here. <laughs> Allegedly, yeah, I don't believe that. In fact, the last podcast, I think you were talking when you did it for my show. You you were telling Joe you were growing them, weren't you? Yeah, oh, yeah, we are. But everybody told me, you know, you have to. When it comes to gardening, and I could talk about that forever. But when it comes to gardening, you just have to keep in the frame of mind. Everything is an experiment, and don't let anybody tell you that you can't do something. Because you can. And people were telling me, oh, you can't grow peppers, you can't grow peppers. And I'm thinking to myself, you know what, I'm going to try. We so, got peppers coming in like gangbusters. We got jalapenos, yeah. we got serranos, we got Habanos. Uh, cayenne, we've got uh, habanero. Habanero. Oh, you got habaneros. Wow, those are great. <laughs> those things are hot. <laughs> yeah, we got tomatillos coming in like crazy, too. So really? And I think she's got some 400 onions ready for harvest. Are you sure you're not just a mile down the road here in San Antonio? <laughs> <laughs> so did you say that Joe joined us? Um, he came online. It showed that he was available on Skype, but he, I don't think he's joined us. Do you want me to see if I can add him while we keep talking? Well, yeah, it'd be great. Yeah, that'd be great. You know, if, if he can come on, that'd be kind of cool. So you've got, all right, so we were talking about not only uh, preparing for the power out. Okay. So, what it is is um, it just starts small um, with a little bit of food and a little bit of, uh, uh, I don't know, maybe you have one weapon you pick up, uh, some kind of a gun. Make sure you, you want to pick up a gun that uh, 
maybe you pick it up used or maybe you pick it up new if you can afford it but you want a weapon that's most uh, utilized i mean the most uses you can get out of it because you're starting small um you're gonna want to pick up um what do you think hon well i have a lot of ideas okay you go with it Well, let me, you know what, uh, Tabitha, hang on to those ideas for a minute. I just want to add one thing to what your husband said. Um, okay. If, if money is, is a budget, which for a lot of people it is, one of the weapons I recommend is to try to find a good used revolver because you can get them cheap, you can use them, they're versatile, you can use them for almost anything, and they're extremely reliable. What do you think? Um, I think if you've got one weapon, revolver would be pretty good because you've got the least amount of things that can go wrong with it. Uh, The only other thing that I would, uh, and you can use it for uh, carrying on your person, so that would make it uh, one of the better, you uh, you can use it in more ways than other weapons. Uh, For uh, another weapon I would recommend is, and and they're pretty inexpensive if you get uh, a, 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 you can get a decent used one or a lower end one is uh, uh, as a shotgun, because they're pretty hard to break. Yep. Um, and there's a lot of uses for those, too. Especially pumps. Uh, pumps are hard to break. Yep. Pump shotgun. Uh, you can, I mean, get one shotgun, you can change the barrel and do a hundred different things with it. Yep, different absolutely. Animals, different barrels. Yeah, I did an episode on that once. Uh, you remind me, I might do another one on that, too. So, Tabitha, you had some other ideas. You were going to jump in there before I cut you off. No, no. If you're new to prepping... And you don't know what to do. The first thing that you should do is probably just take a step back and take a deep breath and get a composition notebook. They're like on sale for 50 cents now, right now. (laughs) It's a back to school sales. Um, get, Get a composition notebook and a pen or a pencil. And every single thing you do on a daily basis, where you drive, where what you do, how you use things, the equipment you use in your house, um, what you do for, for, for your job, everything, you just need to start thinking of ways that you could be doing it. If, if I lost power right now or um, something happened wrong and I needed to, what would I do? And, and just start going through all of those scenarios. Yes. And I think uh, one thing you need to think about when you're doing that is realize you're probably going to be doing this on your own. No 911, no no oh, yeah. neighbor, no friend. It, you're doing it on your own. So when you look at those scenarios, make sure you take that into account. You could be on your own. You should you should assume you're on your own. Yeah, I, I was going to say we make the assumption. Yeah, we have on the back of our um, back of our office door. I think it's like ninety point now. It's just um, index cards that just have our goals because we did that. We 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 carried the notebooks. We you know all the equipment that we started buying. You know if okay, I'm I'm using a blender. Well, if I'm if I'm going to be making this you know thing later on and I don't have a blender, how am I going to make it? Okay, I can do a whisk or I can do the handheld old-fashioned blenders. And, and I like going out and buying the old-fashioned tools. And I've actually been using those a heck of a lot more because you work your arms and you save money on electricity. But it's the whole plan. And because you can go out and you can spend a ton of money. Oh, easily. Easily. You can, you can drop ten, twenty thousand dollars $20,000. Quickly. And still turn around and go, I need all of this other stuff. So make the notebook, everything you do throughout the days and the weeks, figure out how can I do this um, to protect myself or my family. 
if something happens or and go through the scenarios if an earthquake happens what am I going to do if um, a riot happens what am I going to do and go for go from there make your lists of things that you need and we did that for what all all last winter all last winter we were doing that and and just make sure you understand it's a long term plan you're not going to be able to accomplish everything on your list in, in, in unless you've got a lot of money yeah. it's, it's a long term plan it's you know your baby steps just to get you where you need to go well, um, and then we took all of the all of the things that we knew we needed to do and we put them each individual on index cards and then we sat at the kitchen table and we literally had the index cards strewn all over the table and we put them in order. I would put them in order to where, you know, like all the animal things because we have a six-month supply of dog food for our dog and cat food for our cats and now we have chickens so we'll have a food supply for them. Yeah. And so we didn't just go straight six months. We went, okay, we want an extra bag and then the next phase we want... Um, three months supply of or two months supply and then we had three months and then we got a six months so we had all of those in order and phases one through six and then we went on to the garden phase and then we went on to construction and then we took all of them and intermingled them together I'm using air quotes with my hands so I'm sure you can see them but we took them all and we and and I put them in order of what I thought was most important and then the dude, um, my top number one guy here, he comes through the table and he says, no, I think this one is more important and I think it should go right here. And we reorganized that. Didn't we do it like five or six times reorganized? Yeah, five or six times. It's like the old saying, uh, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. One bite at a time. That's exactly yeah. right. You just go, like, if you're going to the store, you need to buy a can of something. Well, maybe you pick up one extra or two extra, and you just gradually increase your supplies. If it's something that'll keep, you say you got to go buy a pack of batteries. Well, can you afford two packs of batteries? Throw one in, uh, one into to your uh, storage or whatever. And you just gradually build it up slowly. Um, but, you know, any, any chance you, you get to buy an extra, you know, Buy another one so you have another one for your storage. Well, I'll throw something in there, too. There's something a lot of people don't think about, and this is cheap. This is a very cheap item. You can afford to buy three or four of these next time you go to the grocery store. And it's amazing how many people have forgotten this, but hand can openers. Oh, we have ten. Yeah, we have ten. <laughs> you have ten, yeah. Okay, well, you beat me. I've only got three. And uh, and by the way, you mentioned get-home bag or a bug-out bag, whatever you want to call it. Have a hand can opener in each of those bags because I've got oh, yeah. I got canned food in those. But, you know, it's amazing. I, I put that up on the forum once. I said, have a hand can opener. And uh, it was amazing. I got some emails. People saying, I never thought of that. I'm thinking, you never thought of that? What do you mean you didn't think of that? Uh, one other thing you think about is you go to the dollar store. That is a bonanza of things that you can uh, yeah. find. I mean, can openers. That's where we got a lot of our can openers, the dollar store. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And uh, you can go into a dollar store and pick up uh, a dozen of things easily for your bug-out bag or your other storage. Uh, but you got to be careful because Walmart is cheaper on a lot of things than the dollar store. Yeah. you got to. I mean, you, when you get out and around, you just look and see where you can get your best deal. And see, what, when some people don't think, they, all, they automatically want to move out to the country. But the one thing that we have against us is um, we're an hour and a half away from a Walmart. So... And from a Lowe's. Yeah. So we have to really think about everything that we're going to be using. Um, and if you can't get out there, you know, if you have a storm or something, you really can't drive on these roads a lot all of the time. 
So you really have to keep um, keep a list of everything you need and everything you want to have on hand because you don't get that chance to just run to the store to pick up that you know little can of whatever you need for mm-hmm. your recipe. Well, I think a tab of thing that, that applies to people even who live in cities and suburbs. I mean, if it's a really bad natural disaster, all the roads to the nearest Home Depot or Lowe could be shut down or blocked off anyway. And yeah. if you can get there, the shelves might be empty. And if you can get there, the shelves are empty, yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's, it, yeah, good stuff. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, I think it's a good stopping point right here because, you know, I know we wanted to talk about natural disasters, and I kind of steered on purpose the conversation a little bit towards new preppers just because I've been getting a lot of requests for that. But I hope you guys will be willing to do another part pretty soon. Sure. Sure. I'm willing. Yeah, because there's a whole lot more we can talk about, a lot more that we can discuss. I'm sorry Joe didn't make it. I'm gonna I'm gonna figure out how to use a different uh, high tech media here and get us all on the phone. Yeah, and especially enough. for new preppers. I mean, you know, we're we we we're still working on our plan, and we're not too far off from figuring figuring out how to how to start these things. So can we make part two? Then we'll we'll get more in depth for new preppers. How's that? Yeah, part sure. three. Part three. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to get on my online math class right now and uh, figure out how to count, and then we'll <laughs> we'll do that. I appreciate both of you very much. It's been, it's been fantastic. Thank you for this time and the last time, Tabitha, and I've uh, been checking out your website. I love it. Oh, you have to go to, if, if uh, anybody's listening, they have to go by through, not just the website, which is thumperlane.com, but... Um, Hubby's actually the dude. I'm sorry. The dude. He's, ac- he's actually now participating on um, <laughs> on the Facebook page, which is Buffer Lane Homestead. So his bees, um, he's a beekeeper, and his little um, antics and stuff that he's doing, he puts those up and takes pictures. And um, so whenever we have something that's going on, like I'm getting ready to start the greenhouse this afternoon because it looks like it stopped raining. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it, I'll be putting, every day I put a picture up of how far I got on whatever project I'm working on. Yeah. Well, let's, then, um, let me go ahead and give you the appropriate advertising before we sign off, because you deserve it. Um, thumperlane.com is the website, mm-hmm. and the Facebook page is facebook.com slash plthumper, right? No, it's, no? Thump, it's Thumper Lane Homestead. Thumper Lane Homestead, okay. Yeah, and, and we have YouTube, too, which is Thumper LT. Thumper LT, and then you got a Pinterest site. Yes, PL Thumper. Yeah, she does, doesn't she? <laughs> <laughs> of course she has to have one. Well, I appreciate both of you. Thanks again, and I'll be contacting you probably within about a week. We can do part three. You got it. All right, best of luck, take care, and thanks again for your time. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, many thanks to Tabitha and The Dude. I'll put a link to all of her websites in the show notes once again. I did that a couple weeks ago. I'll be happy to do that again. So go to todayssurvival.com. Click on the links if you want to follow Tabitha and the work that she does on her YouTube channel or Facebook or website and so forth. And by the way, you know, as I keep saying every episode... These people do this, they donate their time, they come on the show. Uh, If you'd support the whole program, that would be great. I don't play any commercials for you. I don't uh, have paid sponsors for a reason. I like to keep it that way. I like to listen to podcasts that are informative 
and that are hard hitting without a bunch of ads and, and commercials to listen to. So if you don't mind investing in one of my Survival Champions Club podcasts for 25 bucks each, or you can get the whole collection of like six or seven of them for $75, that would be great. It's information that's never been played on this show before. Good prepping information. You can go to the Survival Champions Club page that I have over at Today's Survival, and you can read a little bit about the contents. Or if you don't want to spend any extra money at all, but you're going to buy something on Amazon, go over to todayssurvival.com, click my Amazon store, and uh, click on where it says Amazon store, and there's a link there. And if you go through my link when you buy something on Amazon, then you'll also be supporting today's survival show because I'll earn a little bit of a fee. So either way, many ways to support the show. I'd appreciate it. And uh, don't forget to send me emails at bob at todayssurvival.com. If you join the forum, please do me a favor. We'd love to have you on the forum, but I try to keep the forum free of spammers. And the way I do that, after you register for the forum, shoot me a quick email and tell me that you signed up. Tell me what username that you used and I will find you in the list of people that have registered and I'll approve your account and you can get started posting on the forum right away. With all that said folks, I I hope you enjoyed this interview. I did. It was great. Tabitha and to your husband, thank you very much for coming on. I appreciate it and you guys are a wealth of knowledge out there in Oregon. Stay safe. Keep prepping on. I'm Bob Main. Thanks for listening to another episode of today's Survival Show. Helping you do what you can with what you have wherever you are. Talk to you next week. Goodbye.